0: Stories are run in a cycle of the news to where we almost become sick of them. What happened to the stories that dominated the news for such a long time? Did they ever figure out what the actor or actress's death was caused by? Who was the killer in that string of murders? Does the legendary creature exist or was it made up by someone simply seeking attention? How did that one person die? Welcome to the aftermath where we hop in our time machines and figure out what ended up happening in the news stories we followed so intently and then never heard the ending to. smacking us in the face with more happenings. Forgotten Story Terry Schiavo. The Terry Schiavo case was a series of court and legislative actions in the United States from 1998 to 2005 regarding the care of Teresa Marie Schiavo, born Schindler, who was born on December 3, 1963, a woman in an irreversible, persistent vegetative state. Schiavo's husband was a legal guardian and argued Schiavo would not have wanted prolonged artificial life support without the prospect of recovery, and in 1998, her husband elected to remove the feeding tube. Shivo's parents disputed her husband's assertions and challenged Shiva's medical diagnosis, arguing in favor of continual artificial nutrition and hydration the highly publicized and prolonged series of legal challenges presented by her parents which ultimately involved state and federal politicians all the way up to the level of president george w bush caused a seven-year 1998 to 2005 delay before shivo's feeding tube was ultimately removed on february 25 1990 at age 26 shiva went into cardiac arrest at her home in st petersburg florida she was successfully resuscitated, but had massive brain damage due to lack of oxygen to her brain and was left in a persistent vegetative state. For the next two years, doctor attempted and speech therapy without any success. In 1998, Shivo's husband, Michael, petitioned the Sixth Circuit Court of Florida to remove her feeding tube. He was opposed by Terry's parents, Robert and Mary Schindler, but the court determined that Shivo would not have wished to continue life-prolonging measures. On April 24, 2001, her feeding tube was removed for the first time, only to be reinserted days later. On February 25, 2005, a Pinella County judge again ordered the removal of Terry Shiba's feeding tube. Several appeals and federal government intervention followed, which included George Bush returning to Washington, D.C. to sign legislation moving the case to federal courts, After appeals through the federal court system that upheld the original decision to remove the feeding tube, staff at Pinella Park Hospice Facility disconnected the feeding tube on March 18, 2005. Shivo hung in all the way until March 31, 2005. The backstory what happened to terry Terry shivo was not brain dead but she did suffer from severe brain damage that left her in a persistent vegetative state this means she had no awareness of herself or environment and could not think feel or communicate the cause of her brain damage was a lack of oxygen to her brain for about five minutes after she collapsed from cardiac arrest at her home in 1990. the cardiac arrest was caused by a potassium imbalance which may have been related to an eating disorder. Her brain damage was irreversible, and her cerebral cortex, the part of the brain responsible for higher functions, had shrunk to only half of the normal size. She was blind and could not respond to verbal commands or stimuli. She only produced reflexive movements and sounds that did not indicate any consciousness or intentionality. What were the views between arguments of Terry
1: Shiva's husband and the parent
0: of Terry? The views and arguments of Terry Schiavo's husband and parents were as follows. Terry Schiavo's husband, Michael Schiavo, claimed that his wife had told him before her cardiac arrest that she would not want to be kept alive artificially if she were in a vegetative state and had no hope for recovery, and argued that removing the feeding tube was respecting her wishes and dignity, and that he had a legal authority as her guardian to make that decision. He also said that he had tried several various therapies and treatments for his wife for several years, but none of them had worked, and the doctors who examined her agreed that she was in a persistent vegetative state with no chance of improvement. Terry Schiavo's parents disagreed. Robert and Mary Schindler disputed Schiavo's claims and challenged him in court about the diagnosis they argued that their daughter was not in a persistent vegetative state but a minimal conscious state and that she could not respond to stimuli or show emotions they contended that she could get better with more therapy and rehabilitation, and that they were willing to take care of her for the rest of her life. What the
1: fuck did those doctors know about vegetative states anyway,
0: right? They also accused Michael Schiavo of having a conflict of interest as he had received a malpractice settlement for his wife's care. He had a new girlfriend and children and wanted to inherit his wife's estate. What is a persistent vegetative state? A persistent vegetative state is a condition in which a person has lost the ability to think feel, or are even aware of their surroundings but still have some basic bodily functions such as breathing, heartbeat, and reflexes. Person in persistent vegetative state may open their eyes but they can't follow objects with their damage due to the lack of oxygen, trauma, and infection and other factors. A person in a persistent vegetative state is not in a coma because they are awake and have sleep-wake cycles. However, they are also not brain dead because their brain stem is still functioning. A persistent vegetative state is diagnosed. A neurologist, after conducting various tests to assess the level of consciousness and brain activity. A persistent vegetative state can last for weeks, months, or even years. If it lasts longer than 6 months for non-traumatic causes or longer than 12 months for traumatic causes, it's considered Permanent. What
1: were the ethical and legal issues involved in the Terry Schiavo case?
0: The Terry Schiavo case involved several ethical and legal issues, such as the right to die and the role of the government in end-of-life decisions, the quality of life and the sanctity of life of persons with disabilities, the fairness and justice and allocation of medical resources and technologies. The case raised questions about anatomy and dignity of patients, who can't communicate their wishes, the best interests and responsibilities of their family members and caregivers, the authority and accountability of the courts and legislature, the role and influence of religious political groups and the implications and consequences of withdrawing or continuing life-sustaining treatment. The case also highlighted the importance of preparing advanced directives, appointing a surrogate decision-maker, supporting research on severe brain injuries, affirming the lives and choices of persons with disabilities and addressing the issues
1: of fairness and justice in the allocation of medical technologies. How did the Terry Schiavo case compare to other cases in the U.S. and around the
0: world? The Terry Shivo case was one of the most controversial and publicized cases of end-of-life care in the United States and around the world. It involved many legal, ethical, medical, religious, and political issues and also sparked national debate on the right to die, the role of the government, and ethics at the end-of-life care. There may have been other similar cases in the U.S. and around the world, but each case has its own unique circumstances and outcomes. Here are some examples of how the Terry Schiavo case compared to similar cases. Jahai McMath
1: Jahai was a 13-year-old girl who suffered cardiac arrest after a tonsillectomy in 2013. She was declared brain dead by several doctors, but her family refused to accept the diagnosis and fought to keep her on life support. They moved her to New Jersey, where the law allows religious exemptions for the brain dead. They claimed that she showed signs of improvement and responsiveness and sued the hospital for malpractice. In 2018, they agreed to end the legal battle after McGrath was declared dead by a New Jersey doctor. Unlike Terry Schiavo, who was in a persistent vegetative state but not brain dead, Jahai McGrath was legally considered brain dead, which meant she had no brain activity or function at all. The case raised questions about the definition and diagnosis of brain death and the rights and beliefs of the family and jurisdiction and authority of the courts. Karen Ann Quinlan Karen Ann Quinlan was a 21 year old woman who became unconscious after overdosing on alcohol and drugs in 1975. She was in a persistent vegetative state and depended on a ventilator to breathe. Her parents requested to remove her from ventilator, but the hospital refused. They filed a lawsuit, which reached all the way to the New Jersey Supreme Court. The court ruled in favor of the parents, saying they had the right to remove her daughter from life support based on her own best interest. Quinlan's insulator was removed at 76, but she continued to breathe on her own and lived for another nine years until she died of pneumonia in 1985. Like Terry Shivo, Carrie Ann Quinlan was in a persistent vegetative state, but unlike Shivo, she did not have a feeding tube. The case was one of the first to recognize the right to refuse life-sustaining treatment and the role of surrogate decision-makers. Vincent Lambert. Vincent Lambert was a 42-year-old Frenchman who suffered a severe brain injury in a car accident in 2008. He was in the minimal conscious state and relied on artificial nutrition, and hydration. His wife and some siblings wanted to stop his treatment, but the parents and some other siblings opposed it. They engaged in a long legal battle that involved several courts, doctors, experts and authorities. The case also attracted international attention from human rights groups, religious leaders and political figures. In 2019, after exhausting all legal options, Lambert's treatment was stopped by doctors and he died nine days later. Similar to Terry Schiavo, Vincent Lambert had a family conflict over his end-of-life care but unlike Schiavo, he was not in a persistent vegetative state, but in a minimal conscious state. Unlike Schiavo, which means that he had some awareness and responsiveness, the case highlighted the differences between French and American laws and culture on end-of-life treatment. How did the public react to the case of Terry Schiavo? The public reaction to Terry Schiavo's case was mixed and polarized.
0: According to various polls, most Americans supported supported the authority of Michael Schiavo, Terry's husband and legal guardian, to make decisions on behalf of his wife and opposed the intervention of Congress and the President in the case. However, the public was also divided on whether or not Terry's feeding tube should have been removed or not, and some protested and prayed outside her hospice facility. The case sparked national debate on the right to die, the role of government, and the ethics of -of end-of-life care, and some sources that provide more information on public opinion are out there. And activism in the Chivo case reflected the values and beliefs of American society and culture in various ways, such as it showed diversity and complexity in American society, where different groups and individuals have shown different views and interests on moral, religious, legal, meta, and political issues. It revealed the tensions and conflicts between the individual and collective, the private and public, the secular and religious, and the federal and state in the American culture. It demonstrated illustrated the importance and influence of the media, the courts, the legislature, and the executives in shaping the public opinion and policy in American democracy. It highlighted the challenges and opportunities of advancing medical technology, scientific knowledge and official ethical reasoning in American healthcare system. It challenged and inspired Americans to reflect on their own values and beliefs, and to re- respect and understand those others in matter of life and death. How did religious and political
1: groups influence the Terry Schiavo case?
0: The religious and political groups influenced the Terry Schiavo case in many different ways. They supported Terry Schiavo's parents, who wanted to keep her alive, and opposed her husband, who wanted to remove the feeding tube. They organized protests, rallies, vigils, and campaigns outside Terry Shivo's hospice and other locations. They filed amicus briefs, petitions, motions, and appeals in the court arguing for the Shivos' right to life and challenging her diagnosis and prognosis. They pressured and lobbied the state and federal legislatures and executives to intervene in the case and pass laws to prevent Shiavo's feeding tube from being removed. They issued statements, declarations, resolutions, and messages expressing their views and beliefs on the case and moral issues involved. The religious and political groups that influenced Terry Shiavo's case included the Christian conservatives, especially the anti-abortion movement, who Saw the case as a parallel to abortion issue and threat to the sanctity of life. The Catholic Church, which opposed euthanasia and artificial nutrition and hydration withdrawal, and declared Terry Schiavo should be kept alive. The disability rights, which advocated rights and dignity of persons with disabilities, and feared that Schiavo's case would set a precedent for discrimination and abuse of the disabled. The Republican Party, which aligned with the religious right and sought to appeal its base and gain political advantage by intervening in the Terry Schiavo case. President George W. Bush and Governor Jeb Bush signed legislation to transfer the case to federal courts and attempted to override the state court rulings. On March 24, 2005, Judge Greer denied a petition for intervention by the Florida Department of Children and Families, the DCF, and signed an order forbidding the department from taking possession of Teresa Marie Schiavo or removing her from the hospice each and every singular sheriff of the state of Florida to enforce this order. The order was appealed to the 2nd District Court of Appeals the following day, which resulted in automatic stay under state law. While the state law was in effect, Florida Department of Law Enforcement personnel prepared to take custody of Terry Schiavo and transfer her to a local hospital for reinsertion of the feeding tube. Once Greer was made aware of the stay, ordered it lifted and all parties stood down. Governor Jeb Bush decided to obey the court order despite enormous pressure from the political right. If Bush or the Florida legislature had ignored Greer's order by attempting to remove her from hospice, a confrontation between Pinella Park Police and the FDLE agents could have ensued. In jest, one official said the local police discussed, quote, whether we had enough officers to hold off the National Guard.
1: What was the legal basis for removing Terry
0: Shibo's feeding tube? The legal basis for removing the tube was the Florida law that allows a person's surrogate decision-maker to withdraw life-prolonging procedures if there's clear and convincing evidence the person would not have wanted to live. In Shivo's case, the court determined that her husband, Michael Schiavo, was her legal guardian and that he had met the burden of proof that Terry had expressed her wish to not be kept alive artificially if she were in a vegetative state and had no hope for recovery. The courts also found that Terry Schiavo was in a persistent vegetative state which means she had no awareness of herself or environment she couldn't think feel or communicate the court rejected the arguments of terry schiavo's parents who wanted to keep her alive and challenged the diagnosis and prognosis the courts also denied the attempts of congress and the president to intervene in the case and transfer it to federal courts upheld the florida law and respected terry schiavo's right to refuse life-sustaining treatment What was her last hours like According to an article entitled How Terry Shivo's Final Days Divided Her Family, Florida and the World, her last day was like this. She died on March 31, 2005 at 9.05 a.m. after 13 days without a feeding tube or water. She was surrounded by her husband, Michael Shivo, her brother and sister-in-law, and a hospice chaplain. She had a peaceful expression on her face and did not appear to be in pain or distress. She had labored breathing and molded skin, signs of dehydration, and organ failure. She was visited by her brother and sister, Bobby and Suzanne, for about 10 minutes each. After Michael Shivo agreed to let them see her one last time, she was not visited by her parents, Robert and Mary Schindler, who had left the hospice earlier in the morning and did not return. She was pronounced dead by the hospice nurse, who checked her vital signs. And removed the bandage from her feeding tube site the aftermath the following events unfolded her husband michael schiavo had her body cremated and buried her ashes in an undisclosed location near philadelphia where she was born he did not inform her parents robert or michael schindler of the burial site or invite them to the ceremony. Her parents, Robert and Mary, held a a separate memorial service for her in Florida, where they lived and spent most of their lives. They also established a foundation in her name to help other families facing similar situations. The legal and political battle over her case continued as both sides filed lawsuits against each other and sought to change the laws and policies of -of end-of-life care. The case also sparked a national debate and public awareness campaign of the importance of preparing advanced directives and living wills. Since Terry Shivo's death in March 2005, her family and Michael Shivo have clashed over a number of times. Each side has worked to promote their own causes related to the cause in April 2005. The families disagreed over Shivo's burial. The Schindlers wanted her body to be buried in Florida, and Michael said at the time he would cremate her body, and have her ashes buried in her home state of pennsylvania what were the psychological and emotional impacts case the terry schiavo case on her family and friends the psychological and emotional impacts of of the terry schiavo case on her family and friends were profound and lasting the case involved a long and bitter conflict between terry schiavo's husband michael schiavo who wanted to honor his wife's last wishes and in her life and and the case also attracted attention and intervention from various religious, political, and legal groups, along with the media who took sides and influenced public opinion and policy. The case was a source of immense stress, grief, anger, frustration, and pain for all parties involved, as well as for many people who followed the case closely. Some of the psychological and emotional impacts of the case were, for Michael Schiavo, the case was a struggle to fulfill his duty as his wife's guardian and respect her dignity in autonomy, he faced constant opposition, criticism, and harassment from her in laws, the courts, legislature, the media, and the public. He also had to cope with the loss of his wife, whom he loved deeply and cared about for 15 years. He suffered from depression, anxiety, insomnia, and post-traumatic stress disorder. For Robert and Mary Schindler, the case was a fight to save their daughter's life and to protect her rights and interests to live. They refused to accept their daughter's diagnosis and the prognosis and believed she could recover with more therapy and treatment. They challenged that their son-in-law's authority and motives had sought help from various sources to stop him, and believed that she could be recovered with more therapy and treatment. They challenged their son-in-law's authority and motives and sought help to stop him removing their daughter's feeding tube. They also had to deal with the grief of losing their daughter twice, once when she collapsed in 1990 and again when she died in 2005. For Terry Shivo's siblings, friends, relatives, and caregivers, the case was the dilemma between supporting Michael Shivo or Robert and Mary Schindler. Some of them sided with Michael Shivo, believing that he knew his wife best and acted in her best interest. Others sided with Robert and Mary, believing they had their daughter's best interest at heart and that they deserved a chance to care for her. Some of them tried to remain neutral in or avoid taking sides, but found it difficult to do so in such a polarizing situation. For the public at large, the case was a catalyst and reflection and debate on various ethical, legal, medical, religious, and political issues related to the end-of-life care. The case touched many people's emotions and values. They identified with or opposed a party in the case. The case also raised awareness and education about living wills and advanced directives, as well as persistent vegetative state and other types of brain injury. Special thanks to the following. CMAG.CA IME.BMI.COM CBSNews.COM Faculty.umb.edu TampaBay.COM DOI.ORG CookWorks.COM dx.doi.org dot TheLedger.com WSWS.org Alternate.org ScienceBlogs.com NBCNews.com EatingDisorderResources.com JAMANetwork.com com asa3.org ivypanda.com dx.doi.org bioethicstoday.org baptistnews.com osmosis.org healthline.com pbs.org aclu.org For the Aftermath, I'm your host, Dan Hudson. (laughs)
1: Peace!